My name is August McLaughlin, and I've been contemplating girl boners for years. It's time for Girl Boner Radio with August McLaughlin, a spicy blend of personal stories, in-depth reporting, and inspiration. Girl Boner is where good girls go for sexual empowerment. Listen in as August McLaughlin, award-winning health and sexuality writer, explores female sexual pleasure like no one else. She's the big sister slash girlfriend you've always wanted, and she loves to talk sex. Only on Global Voice Broadcasting. Do you believe in soulmates? 73% of people surveyed by Marist University recently do, apparently, and more men than women said they believed they would find the one. Whether you want to find that special person this year or make the most of your current dating life or sex life or learn to better navigate the dating scene, this episode is for you. Welcome back to Girl Boner Radio, everyone. I'm your host, August McLaughlin, and we are going to dive deep into all things soulmates and dating with professional matchmaker Marla Martinson, who's helped people find true love for over 15 years. She's written books about it that are wonderful. She's also explored her life in these wonderful memoirs that also involve a lot of matchmaking and spirituality. And she's joined us before for some really fun and unique adventures. You might remember that we did some angel fun. We played with a Ouija board. And we've also talked about dating, which is one of her main areas of expertise. We'll also discuss dating and casual sex after divorce with the help of our resident sex and relationship expert, Dr. Megan Fleming. And Marla will share the one thing you must do to attract your soulmate. I'm super curious about that. Thank you so much for being here, Marla. Hi, August. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me back. For anyone who's brand new to your work, maybe they haven't caught our other interviews, tell us a little bit about your journey to becoming a matchmaker. Oh, boy. Yeah. I became a matchmaker on a fluke. Um, it's one of the things that I always tell people, follow those breadcrumbs and just take those opportunities because you never know where life's going to lead you. I grew up in a suburb of Seattle, Washington, and moved to Los Angeles when I was about 19 to be an actress. And... Uh, <clears throat> I did a lot of that, TV commercials and print work and things, but I found myself mostly uh, waiting on tables, <laughs> not, uh, you know, in front of the camera. So uh, when I was 39, I um, had been living in Chicago for a while and came back to L.A. because my father had terminal cancer. He was living in Orange County. And uh, I started doing some acting. My money was uh, running down. My my bank account was was you know slowly going to empty. And I was sitting on my my stoop of my little studio apartment with my little teacup Yorkie, thinking, "Oh my gosh, Marla, you better get your butt up off this stoop and go apply for a restaurant job because the acting again wasn't ma I wasn't making enough to pay the bills, and I ha wasn't trained in anything else. I didn't you know really want to do anything else uh, but acting. But I and I could not get get myself to go apply for a restaurant job. I had done, it had been 20 years and I said, I just, there's got to be something else for me. I can't be a 40 year old waitress and put on one more waitress apron. Some people make it a career and that's great if they love the restaurant industry. I'd had enough, you know, 20 years time. I said, there's got to be something else. And I was dating my now husband Adolfo at the time. And he had a friend who was uh, taking over the the management position at a video dating service called Great Expectations. I remember. Yeah. And this was around 2001. So she had said, hey, Marla, you know, I'm I'm have to build a new staff if you want to 
part-time gig working behind the counter and and being the videographer doing the videotapes because we had videotapes back then the VHS of people um, you can still go on auditions and you can have a part-time job and uh, I had moved in with Adolfo at that point and he said don't worry about paying rent right now I know you're kind of struggling and so I didn't have to make a ton of money so I took the part-time job loved it and and uh, I really loved, you know, I felt like I was a movie producer or director when I was making those videos, interviewing the singles, finding out what they wanted in a man or woman, and I enjoyed working with them. From there, I ended up leaving a year and a half later and taking a job at a Beverly Hills matchmaking firm, and then I became... Uh, and I, at first, I had said, "Well, I don't, I don't know how to work in an office." You know, the, I, it was a, it was just a leap of faith. I just, I took the job, and I really just needed my people skills, which I had from acting, and and uh, became the head matchmaker, matching people all over the country. Worked there seven years, and then in two thousand nine. I uh, kind of had to take this job and shove it moment, and I left during the recession, uh, took a big risk there. I mean, my husband was not happy about that one, um, but I, I just stayed calm, had a lot of faith, and within a few months, um, guys started looking me up and tracking me down, asking me if I could match them, and uh, I started my own matchmaking business, Cupid for Ire LLC. And uh, now I have a business partner and uh, we've been working together for years and years. And um, so it's been about 16 years I've been matchmaking now. Wow. Yeah. Do you have any sense of how many people you have matched? Oh my gosh, it has to be thousands now. And when I was at the matchmaking um, company, we, we had a lot of clients. Now I'm more boutique. I may have 10 clients. I may have up to 30, but really not more than that. It's very specialized in boutique. But at these big agencies, um, I remember I had about, at one time I was matching about 160 clients and I had an assistant and all that. So then I had every year, there were many people getting married, getting in relationships and all that. So I've had many, many marriages. And then I love it when a couple gets married and then all of a sudden I get a picture in my inbox um, of a little baby Aww. that, you know, and I know, oh, that's because... Are there, like, you know, a whole bunch of kids named Marla? <laughs> I don't know about that, but uh, it's it's very rewarding, I have to say. And your acting skills and study of character and human nature, did that play a role? Because it sounds like not only did you take that leap of faith and you had people skills, but I imagine to be actually able to pair people together and to envision that kind of chemistry or or see that it could not be there, that seems like a really special skill set to me. Yeah. And um, you really can't do a lot of that. Um, I'm a matchmaker in Los Angeles and there's the shallow side too. Look, people, if you just look at when somebody's on Tinder or Match.com, what are they doing? They're swiping, swiping to find somebody they like the look of, right? Based it's on only pic- it's all you see on the picture, the picture. and and the yeah. picture that all important picture, which I understand. You know, we're visual. We like pretty things, especially men. They're visual, so I really have to get all of those things. The men are my paying clients, so I've they've, I've got to get. That look that they like, the age range they like, the lifestyle, do they have kids, do they want kids, the location, all of those basics first. And then you hope there's chemistry there. But now sometimes I have had 
uh, ones where I would somebody come in and I say that's that's for him. She's perfect. Th- this is going to be a, a match, and the, it, it was, and they got married. And I was even at the wedding. That happens once in a while, mm-hmm. but usually there's so many other factors that yeah, you know, yeah. You just and hope that you got to test that chemistry totally. And I can see. I mean, I feel like so many of us are really visual, and so it's so easy to to judge based on that and to perceive all kinds of things about a person just based on one photo. I would love to see, I don't know if this exists, you know how on The Voice you can't see the people at Oh, first? yeah. Like a voice one because I'm such a voice person. I am too. I if I don't voices. like the voice, I've not <gasps> dated people because I didn't like their voice. Really? Like yeah. I've never met anybody else who said that as well. That's yeah. so interesting. I love voices and I feel like if, <laughs> if you couldn't see the person at all, how interesting would that be? Okay, yeah. that's your next project to fit into your millions of things. That you do <laughs> that's right. <laughs> So I know that a lot of people come to you specifically seeking a soulmate. Yep. How do you define soulmate? Well, I, you know, soulmate, it's kind of now a catch-all term for that, you know, perfect person for you, the love of your life. Um, I just say it's, it's, you know, like my dog's my soulmate. Macy, we were talking about Macy earlier. There's no greater love for me in my life. I mean, we're just connected. Um, It's more soul to soul. So you say soulmate. So that could be a man, a woman, a dog, a horse, you know, whatever. It's it's we I believe that we travel in these soul groups. And, uh, you know, you and I, August, we could have been sisters in a past life. We could have been for sure. We were probably connected, you know, so we do. Uh, tr- tend to travel with with the same souls and then reconnect. And there there are many. I've had many loves. You know, I've been married three times, so I'm not going to say there's one soulmate for each mm-hmm. of us. Some people have that that love for 60 years. They're married. My my husband's parents were married 60 years till they both died. And and you know, my grandparents were married till death do they part. Uh, that doesn't happen much anymore. Um, and I think. You know, that was the culture back then. That's what you did and you stuck together. But but I think there's uh, if you think about sometimes I think, wow, if I lived in in uh, France for a year, I bet I'd find a fabulous guy there that I'd be in a relationship with. If I moved to Costa Rica, if I moved to Japan, who knows? So there's fabulous soulmates all over the world for us. We just have this life right now to, you know, we can't meet them all. <laughs> and to make choices. I'm a Gemini. Yeah. Hey, what's, you know, it's like there's two of us here. Yeah, I love that take on it because I feel like it can be really limiting if we think there's only one person, like that specific one person. Right. Because then also breakups would be very devastating. Oh, yeah. If yeah. you thought that person was your soulmate and then poof. There's always another bus coming down the line. <laughs> you know, when I was four or five years old, we were at a cemetery visiting like my great, great grandmother's grave or something. And there was uh, somebody who'd been buried that had my birthday. And this is how melodramatic I was as a kid. I thought, what if that was my soulmate and they died and now I'll never have love? Like I'm like kindergarten. Right, right. right. Um, But now I'm not so black and white. And I feel like we have so much more choice. Some people have this view of, oh, if you're together your entire lives, like that's ideal. Um, And it can be for some people. I think it totally is. But I also love what you said. You can have multiple loves in your life. And we have so much more choice and freedom to, you know, if we evolve, we grow or we marry somebody or become in a serious relationship with somebody. And it turns out not to be the right person to either stay with or to have been with in the beginning, but you learned from it. Yeah. I don't think that that breakup's a bad thing. I think that's that's wonderful if it opens you up to something new and, you know. I remember uh, Marianne Williamson uh, giving a lecture years ago. I used to go see her in a little church uh, like in the early, nine, like 1990 or something. And I remember her saying, you know, it's not... Uh, 
I don't consider it a failure if you get a divorce or if this this, this uh, relationship didn't work out. It was a fail. I failed. You didn't fail. You were there for those lessons, um, and it's it's growth. It's you. We should bless those opportunities and and uh, not beat ourselves up. So I don't consider anything that didn't work out that you tried a failure. I think it's part of our journey, and whether it's a a podcast that somebody tried and you didn't get you know, listeners, or you try it like my acting, I, I did some, a certain amount, I didn't uh, get an Oscar, you know, but mm-hmm. these were just things that, that brought me and every and all of that experience, my acting classes, my auditions, my experience. Um, now I'm I have my podcast, I have my YouTube channel, I'm guests on shows, I'm writing, I'm using the skills with the people uh, that I need to talk to and connect. And so everything that we do, uh, is preparing us for greater things or other opportunities. So don't, any little thing that you do, just uh, take those little lessons. Pay it forward, carry it into the next. I feel like we can bring, people have that term, they use baggage. I see you bring mm, baggage into a relationship. Yeah. I don't like that. I understand if, you know, if you're clinging on to things, that's one thing. Yeah. And, and I think that that's something to work through and to grow through if you can. But bringing our experience in is a beautiful thing. Right. And, you know, if maybe somebody has three kids and, you know, the woman wants her own family and say, oh, he has too much baggage. I don't like to consider children baggage, but, you know, it's maybe that's what we kind of say, too, is, well, they've got all this other stuff they're dragging. Maybe an ex-wife that's going to be inserting herself or she's jealous or stalking, you know, baggage. So so I, I, I understand it, but yeah. it is kind of a, you know, derogatory term. Totally. <laughs> and life is complicated. We all have complicated right. lives, for right. sure. What are some of the most common mistakes that people make? when they are seeking that person. They really want a relationship. They're putting themselves out there. What do people do wrong? Well, I think um, having an unrealistic list sometimes. Um, I know, well, the little pet peeves I have when I'm trying to match women is the women are often so uh, attached to their high heels. So they'd rather wear four inch heels than, you know, find a right guy because he's not tall enough because they're going to tower over him in their really? heel. This happens a lot. Well, I well I know I'm 5'3", but I'm always in four inch heels. So I have to have a guy six feet and up. So I'm like, well, I hope you live happily ever after with your high heels. And I know that you did it. I remember I interviewed I you about the flats. You did a whole thing, a blog post. and It was a, a year long campaign. With yeah. No heels. I yeah. gave up heels after Can film festival when they turned women away for showing up in flats oh yeah i remember that it was life-changing for me i mean just very profound that the benefits and the things i learned from it but it did get me thinking so much about how much confidence we place into certain things that are very external or material because i had placed my confidence in in heels too Mm -hmm. you know not all of it but they were kind of part of my quote power suit like that is right. when I feel powerful and you find other ways to to experience that. I, I wrote about it actually in my Girl Boner book that's coming out this year. Um, but that's really interesting that so a woman would come to you and yeah, basically well, turn somebody down because they don't want to be taller than the person? Right. Like So the average American male is 5'9". The average American woman is 5'3", five, 5'4". Five, so uh, there's so many great, amazing guys out there, 5'7", 5'8", 5'9". They're wonderful. They're, they, you've got to realize that there's also a lot of not-so-great people, humans out there. As you know, there could be serial daters, cheaters, guys that can't commit. Uh, alcoholics, drug addicts, whatever, people with baggage or issues that you don't want to get involved in. Well, if you're narrowing it down to men who are only six feet and up when the average is five, nine, and there's a smaller, you know, you're just narrowing your options. And uh, I just don't. And I think 
it's ingrained in us. Well, I want the guy to be taller than me because he's going to pr- be able to protect me. We don't need to be protected anymore, really, physically. There's really no saber-toothed tiger going to attack. Take those self-defense classes. Yeah. Right. We, we don't really need it. Um, so I would say try to um, go outside the box and put, when you're making your list, uh, write down character um issue, you know, points instead of the the physical first. Write down how you want them to make you feel, the qualities, loyal, honest, loving, romantic, and then maybe say, well, I really love a guy, you know, that's fit or that I love a scruffy goatee or whatever. That's fine. We we have our things that turn us on. But um, I think people people limit themselves a little too much. Especially with online dating, I think, because everything is about the picture and the statistics. Yes. So I wouldn't even think about a specific height. But if you're looking at data, you know, it forces you to think about it. Right. So then you start picturing just something. And, and the ideas that we've been taught, the fairy tales all have and the rom-coms. Yeah. It's a man Oh, yeah. And a wouldn't everyone love taller. to, you know, marry Tom Hanks from You've Got Mail? I mean, that would be wonderful. But I haven't met a guy like that yet. You know, that's And that Tom written. Hanks might be shorter than you, might yeah. be a different race than you might be a different age than you anticipate being yes. attracted to. There's so many things. And so different when you just happen to meet somebody and have chemistry and then go, oh, they just happen to be this this particular thing that I didn't know I was attracted to. I, I have to. a great uh, short story about that and then, and then something that an action step you can do. Uh, when I was working at the matchmaking company, the owner of the company would first meet with the men who were going to join, and then he'd take a couple Polaroids of them, put it in a file, and then give it to me, and then I would set up a matchmaking meeting to meet me. So I remember he handed me the uh, file of this doctor that was going to come in. He was uh, uh, an Indian, uh, East Indian guy. And uh, I looked at the, the fit pictures, and I thought, oh, man, he is not good looking. I said, how am I going to match him? If I was single, I'd never go out with him. He's just not attractive. And I was crestfallen like, this is going to be tough. And I was making that based on the Polaroid pictures. And so then he came in and we sat down and he was so damn sexy. He was wearing a cashmere sweater. He smelled good. He had a, this sexy accent. He was brilliant. He was funny. He, his mannerisms, his, you know, his face wasn't Brad Pitt or Johnny Depp or whatever, but he was, you know, I would have, if I was single, I said, I would have jumped in his lap. I would have dated him in a heartbeat. So how wrong was I to judge that photo? But that's what humans do. So I would say, if you want to challenge yourself for two 2018, uh, pick, say, okay, I'm going to go out with five people this year from match.com, from a matchmaker, whatever, that are outside my box that I normally would say no to. Maybe three inches shorter, maybe a different race, maybe a different hair color, maybe a different demographic. Just go to coffee and see what happens and let me know. I love that idea and seeing it as a fun experience. I'm meeting people. Yes. Instead of I'm interviewing potential mates. Right. Just have fun and let yourself be surprised. This really ties into a question we got from a listener that I think is really insightful from Lachelle, who wrote this. Mm. I'm divorced and dating for the first time in over a decade. What a different dating world this is. I'm using a dating app and every man I meet seems to more interested in a hookup than a relationship. If we kiss, they expect sex. What happened to kissing first and then making out and then having sex? (laughs) Am I seeing the wrong men or really old-fashioned? I'm in my 40s, if that matters, and many of the men I've seen are younger. I have no clue why older men aren't approaching me. I love and miss sex, but would prefer to take my time to get to know someone first. 
I'm not interested in casual sex at this point. I want a relationship, someone to share life with. Thank you for your time, Lachelle. Lachelle, thank you for, for your question. For some reason, as I was listening or reading your question, I thought of Grey's Anatomy because every time somebody kisses, then they immediately have sex. So I feel like maybe it's a generational thing where people are taking cues from television. But here's what Dr. Megan had to say. Lachelle, thanks so much for this question. And wow, I can imagine sort of what an amazing, exciting, and in a sense, terrifying time um, this might be for you. So many, I can imagine, mixed feelings. Um, so first, I just want to take an important step back. And um, I think absolutely I'm going to get into the question about um, timing of, of sex and uh, the impact of that on relationship. But I think most importantly, because it's unclear how long you were married, you know, often I think it's not uncommon, both women and men, but women in particular can rush into dating feeling ready uh, for a relationship. And as you said, it's like, I'm not interested in casual sex. I'm really looking for, like, if we could roll that camera forward, you know, I'm already in a sort of steady, healthy relationship. And I think that it's really sort of first and foremost, I want to have you consider, are you ready? You know, have you seriously taken the time to breathe and really just get clarity about, you know, what part you played in your marriage? Um, And it's end in that we all sort of co-create our relationships. And so I think doing the due diligence of the interpersonal work is going to serve you well as you move forward in your life and in relationships. And that once you've sort of done that inner work, and maybe you already have, it is sort of get really clear about, you know, what you're seeking and sort of why, you know, what are the core values, qualities, characteristics. And perhaps now in your 40s, you're going to open up your mind a little bit that it might you know, historically, it might have been the way someone looked. It could have been their height. It could have been their their race. Um, SES, you know, so many factors may have gone into uh, who we considered as a, a potential compatible partner. And so uh, when you feel ready, sort of that's the first and foremost, I think the second is to become crystal clear what you're looking for and be more open, perhaps, um, to somebody that in the past you might not have been attracted to. And then coming back to... Listen, I think when it comes to readiness for sex, um, you know, I'm going to quote Shakespeare here, to thine own self be true. Um, Because I think it's great that you know who you are and, you know, in a sense, what you want and what you're comfortable with. And so I definitely think it's true. Times have changed. Um, Certainly, there's a lot more access to potential partners through online, uh, whether it's Tinder or Bumble or match or eHarmony and looking at all those different platforms um, because some of them are a little bit more targeted to people seeking uh, longer-term relationships more than casual dating. Um, That being said, it, I think, really is to just be clear about your own expectations because it sounds like in your profile, you've already, I imagine, indicated that you're looking for a serious relationship. And so, you know, when you're going on that date and it feels like it's rushing faster, I think it's just to say, hey, you know, I'm a bit old fashioned and there's nothing wrong or dirty about, you know, that old fashioned isn't a dirty word. (laughs) You know, you often hear me say sex isn't a dirty word. Work isn't a dirty word. Being old fashioned isn't a dirty word. It's just sort of stating who who you are, where you're at and what feels ready or right for you right now in this moment. So listen, we all know that making out can be incredibly hot and, um, you know, it it sort of builds the anticipation and expectation. And so 
you know, if you're with the right guy, he's going to totally get that and want to, and also, right, want to take the time and not just jump into bed. Um, because again, if he just wants to jump in the bed and have sex, and listen, it's not to say that some people don't start a relationship with casual sex that's really enjoyable and over time develop the relationship. And um, some people even get married uh, having had sex, uh, even first date with a partner. But it just doesn't sound like that's tr- your own authenticity or what feels true for you. And so... I think, uh, you know, it, it's just to acknowledge that and just be really clear and honest in those that you're dating so that it's not mixed signals. Um, and I think it's also great that you're exploring younger men um, because, you know, it's a time in life where, you know, there are sort of no rules or expectations. There are a lot of women, especially in the media, celebrities, you know, often dating men that can be 10, 15, even 20 years their junior. Um, you also point out to another interesting phenomenon, which I see a lot in my practice, which is it's not uncommon that men, when you say men your own age aren't sort of seeking you out or um, responding, you know, this is just my sort of experience and clinical experience, but that a lot of clients that I've worked with, they tend to be seeking themselves partners that are 10, 15 years younger uh, than they are and not sort of women that are their own age. And I think a lot of it for them is that they they want to feel youthful and they want to be with somebody who's got that energy and um, they're looking for something different, right, than the the wife that they've had before. And so sometimes, you know, dating someone significantly younger, again, is a part of um, feeling sort of alive for them and, and sort of youthful. So um, if, if you're interested in sort of dating potentially older men, I would wonder sort of what is your cutoff? You know, if you're, and say you're 40s, you know, is your cutoff 40s or say 50? And are you open to dating men into their 60s? Because if you are, then um, I would definitely make sure that that's clear sort of in your profile. So um, like I said, I think the biggest thing here is to just one, take a big step back, take a big breath. Does this feel like the right time? Are you feeling ready? Have you done the inner work? And if the answer is yes, you know, it, it's to, to your own self be true. Really, um, I think if somebody is turned off and isn't interested in that second date or third date because you don't want to have sex, then you know what? That's telling you something about that person. Um, and I would say that that, you know, is sort of that expression, you dodged a bullet. Like you don't want to spend a lot of time and energy if somebody doesn't have that patience or can't make room for sort of where you're at and pacing things appropriately. If they don't see the value and who you are, what you have to offer and what that could bring, then I think you're dodging the bullet. So be true to yourself, call yourself old-fashioned, go out, have a hell of a good time, and as always, can't wait to hear how it goes. Thank you so much, Dr. Megan. Everyone check her out at greatlifegreatsex.com. I love what she talked about owning whatever your values are. If you're old-fashioned, that's not a bad thing. It reminds me of being vanilla. People will say, oh, but I'm so vanilla, like it's a bad thing. If you get a lot of pleasure out of kissing, making out. That's beautiful. Enjoy that anticipation and and go for it. I mean, that's great. I think that means you potentially could get even more pleasure from the, quote, bigger events. And they're all valuable. I think that's so important to know what you're looking for. What would you share with us? Yeah, our absolutely. Guests? And and it, you can look forward to that. That's like the big climax there is when you're finally going to have sex. You know, you don't want to just do it that the week. Climax you know, and the you, climax. you know, the climax and the climax. Yeah, and and Dr. Megan made 
A good point. The younger guys. So if a young, a lot of the women that I meet who are in their 40s also say younger men approach me. Well, the younger guys are thinking, OK, she's attractive. She's sexy. She, she's experienced. She's probably good in bed. That's what they're looking for. They're not look probably looking for long term with a woman in her 40s because maybe they still want kids and a family. They're at different stages in their life. So most of the women that I meet that tell me, well, I've been dating younger men, it they're not getting in relationships with these younger men. They're just dating them and it doesn't work out for the most part. Yeah, some of the celebrities, they have longer, but the average woman, it doesn't go anywhere generally. And yes, the, all the guys that come to me for 16 years, most of them want younger than themselves, whether it's a few years or 20 years or 30 years. <laughs> so if you, um, Megan was uh, made an excellent point, if you're open to dating a little bit older, I think you'll find that, you know, give that a try. And yes, there's no reason for you to be jumping in bed with some random stranger. You just tell them, look, I am looking for a relationship and I don't go to bed with someone until I'm in a committed relationship. I'm looking forward to getting to know you if that's your goal as well. If it's not, you know, I wish you the best. It was great meeting you. Um, there's no pressure there. It's your body. You don't need to risk yourself getting some disease or or into a situation where going to bed with someone you really don't know. Uh, so there's nothing wrong with it, you know. And you're not ruled by your hormones anymore in your 40s as much like 20s and 30s. You know, you make out and, oh, uh-oh, had, didn't mean to have sex on the same day I met him. But, <laughs> you know, that was happening a lot. But now you have more discernment because you, you're a little mm. more... Um, removed from from that. Mm. So much of what you both shared had so much to do with being clear about your intentions and yeah. what you want. And I have several friends right now who have gone through divorces, and I thought I'd share a few more suggestions for if you've gone through a divorce and you're just getting back into sex specifically, whether you're dating or looking for a relationship or not, here are a few things to keep in mind. First, casual sex can be awesome if that's what you're seeking. So again, like Dr. Megan said, if if that's what you want to have and you're open to relationships, that's great. If you don't want to have it, that's great. But be clear with people. Be clear with yourself first because otherwise there's no way you can be clear with another person. Know what your own preferences are before any urges or hormones do take over because sometimes you're so turned on that it's kind of like trying to make a decision about uh, alcohol when you're already intoxicated, right? Like plan ahead just a little bit. If you're not ready for a relationship yet and still want to stay connected to your pleasure, sex toys and solo play are so awesome. You guys know that I'm obsessed with those things, don't you, by now? Um, definitely go to thepleasurechest.com, the sponsor for today's show. I love, love, love the Pleasure Chest. They're just one of the coolest sex-positive companies that I know of, and they offer free weekly workshops. You can also find all kinds of cool toys on their website, thepleasurechest.com. And use lube, or at least have it on hand, especially if you haven't had sex for quite a while. But really, it's great as an addition for most anybody. It enhances arousal. It just makes things more pleasurable. I would just keep it nearby just in case. And I'm actually really digging a particular company, Wicked. Wicked lubes are they're created by women, and the company is super committed to eco-consciousness, which I love. So they use natural botanicals. They're vegan. They're um, PETA-certified. They're paraben-free. Parabens are those chemicals that are associated with some disease risks. And they have water and silicone-based products with all these different cool flavors, sweetened by stevia, which is like my favorite plant-based sweetener. I'm geeking out nutritionally there. Uh, but I really recommend it. They, full disclosure, did send me a gift box of things to try, but they didn't tell me to say anything. I only speak about products and services that I love. So check out wickedsensualcare.com. 
And you should also know that sex can improve with age. Really, really, really can. Potentially you because you might have greater self-confidence, more experience, as, as Marla mentioned. You've probably learned a lot of lessons along the way. And a lot of people with vulvas experience stronger orgasms later on, which is so, so cool. Whether you have sex frequently or not very frequently, what's really important is cultivating the sex life that you desire. So I think knowing, again, what you want in your dating life, knowing what you want in your own sex life, getting clear about those things is going to help so many areas of your life, not just dating, but certainly if you're looking for a soulmate, you got to know what you're looking for. That's right. Yeah. And I think the media puts that pressure on us because everything's so sexualized and everybody's having sex and everyone, you know, and they say that, oh, yeah, you should be having sex even in your 70s and 80s. Well, you certainly can, but you don't have to. No, I mean, you don't I think, you don't. I, I think, you know, just evolving in a relationship into best friends and whatever. You may have had an illness or you just don't have that urge anymore. It's okay. You don't have to feel like you still have to be sexually active till you drop dead. I mean, it's you, like August said, you design your own, you know, sexual life and it could be just hugging and kissing or affection. There's so many ways to have physical intimacy and to enjoy that. And I think it's important to try to figure out, and we know this internally, I think we all have an idea when we are feeling pressured to do something versus we have a desire for something different and we feel blocked. So if you feel blocked and you want something different in your dating or sex life, then explore that. If you feel like you have to make those changes because of what your friends are saying or what you saw on TV or whatever, you know, the pressure is never a good thing. And pressure really makes sex a lot less fun anyway. I think a good example of that that, that I, I'm i not a fan of is all that Viagra, Viagra, the the commercials. And like if you're if you're it doesn't work and you can't do it, then you better. And that's it could be dangerous taking those those uh, drugs. And, you know, that our body has a lifespan. It has some ebbs and flows and things, different things happen. And like you said, there's other things you can do. I mean, don't risk, don't risk your life because the TV commercials say you're not sure. happening or cool because it you, is amazing you know, <laughs> how many Viagras there are like different kinds of and so many commercials it's like every other commercial is and like they're covered you know, by insurance while birth control isn't for so many oh people oh my like, goodness we don't need to get yeah, into all that into it. <laughs> it's amazing and and there's so little focus on women's pleasure you know right, and so right. it's it's a really it gets mixed messages and mm-hmm. I know that those medications help some people and some people have certain conditions where that's really helpful but I think there's also this pressure on anyone who has a penis to be like, I must always be hard <laughs> and be turned on on command. And it's OK to have a soft penis. That's right. I had a guest, Lauren Brim. I, I always think of her when this kind of topic comes up because she said, you can enjoy the flaccid penis. And I thought, <laughs> you can. Why not? Like, have fun. We don't have to. You know, it's not like everybody's walking around, you know, turned on all the time. It's OK. Right. And yeah. you could have the 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 emotional intimacy and all of that stuff. I wondered with this question that we received uh, from the listener, which app makes a difference too? Because I spoke with some people from the app Zeusk, which I guess is the Mm. most popular worldwide dating app. And they are very relationship focused, I guess. They don't have as much hookup culture, whereas Tinder is more contingent to that. Do you feel like what kind of services you use might make a difference? Right. I've heard Tinder is more like everybody's looking just to have fun. But I did meet a couple at a party recently that met on Tinder and they're married and have a beautiful baby. So it can happen. But it is more you're just swiping and looking at pictures. So it is more... 
conducive to that. Whereas maybe Match.com or, or some of these other ones where you're looking at the whole profile, kind of getting suggestions on, on lifestyles and stuff may be a little more conducive to, to, to relationships, you know. But you can find. And then I have a friend up in Seattle who used plenty of fish, got great wonderful ladies on there and he's in a wonderful he's met the love of his life on there and that was a free free site so you know experiment with them but you have to make sure you have a good um i do some coaching too so you have to make sure you have a good profile um some of these profiles people will maybe be bitter and like women will say if you're not looking for this don't even bother contacting me or or the photos or you know side views or or um, sunglasses or baseball hats. So you've got to have good photos and a good, nice, uh, inviting, uh, to the point profile. So this is very important too, because you can be all the, on all the sites, but if your picture is terrible, your profile's bad, you don't have a good title, you know, you're going to be overlooked. Yeah. I love that yeah. you coach people with that. I think it's a, it's a specific skill and not, a, you might not be very good at articulating things. And if your writing isn't matching up with who you are, right. that could keep you from meeting somebody. What kinds of strategies can people use to make sure that the profile suits them? Because I feel like sometimes if you read a bunch of stuff online, like, oh, this is something that a lot of people click on and swipe on. Mm -hmm. If you just add it to your profile and it doesn't fit you, right. it's not really going to go over. Yeah, you want to put, uh, you know, are you a, a wine lover and you love going to Napa and wine tastings or, you you know, your dream is to have your honeymoon in Italy or, you know, you're, you're, you rescue cats. You know, you, you're, everybody has their own unique um, style and and uh, uniqueness. I mean, it's that's what makes us. But you can write one and and send it to a few of your friends and and say, hey, what do you you know? Does this sound like me? What would you? Or or if you're a girl, send it to some guy friends and say, hey, what would you think about this? Do I sound bitter? Do I sound inviting? Do I? What do you think? That's or, a really or, good idea. Or send it to me, or you know, send it to send it to a someone get some help with it because we don't see ourselves it's funny because we mostly think we're a lot better looking than we are and we we do you know we? we yeah i think we we do you know be, have have i ever had a person who's let's say 40 or 50 you know everybody says well i know i'm 50 but everybody thinks i'm 40 so i should be dating 30 year olds or i know i'm 30 but everybody thinks i'm 24 or is that just like rational everybody them, everybody or? thinks they look younger than they are they look better that's just how we feel because we're look, we're with ourselves and we feel the same. So like, yeah, maybe I'm in my 50s now, but I don't feel any different so than when I was 28. So how they but, feel but on we, the inside. But we think we still look that way somehow too. It's interesting. I mean, that's just the human condition. That's and then all. we can also be so Nothing bad, but you know, so, yeah. so we might write something and it's just, it's not, you know, we don't see ourselves the way others do. Let's put it yeah, that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, Right. That's really true. That's really true. Do you recommend mentioning any of your downfalls? I hate to use that word, but... No, I don't. You know what? Why put negatives in there? Nobody's perfect anyway. Everybody's going to have something, you know. So. And it's not like if you met someone at a bar, they'd yeah. walk up and be like, hi, my name is this, and I'm very stubborn. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just leave out the any negatives. Yeah. Could you share an anecdote, a, a story of a couple that ended up together that was really surprising or perhaps they were both surprised kind of like the scenario you shared which I loved where somebody comes in and you're like oh my gosh oh I remember a woman telling me um okay so the place that I used to work at before I had my own business we didn't show photos and because because when I got into the business uh there were very few matchmakers at that time and now there's so many so um this was a wonderful thing that the men would pay and we'd have the women in the database because they wanted all the attractive ladies right but we I would send them their match 
And I'd say, this is her name, her bio, call her, no photo. The women didn't get to see photos either because after all, I'm the matchmaker. I'm, you know, you told me your type and all of that. And uh, a woman told me that if she would have seen a photo of the guy that I matched her with, she would never have said yes. And she is so happy that she, that I said, you know, you need to go out with this guy and because then they got in a relationship and and they were together. So that was another example of how a photo um, can really, I bet so many people are missing their soulmates or the right per- person because of a photo. Often we just can't see that humor, that personality, the mannerisms that some people aren't photogenic. Um, it's messing things up yeah. <laughs> in a lot of ways. When you're matching people, what would you say is the most important criteria from your perspective when you're trying to figure out who would be good with this person? Is it based on the priorities that person expressed to you, or do you have your own kind of method as far as this is what I need to really focus on? Well, I, I mean, I since they're you know they're clients, so they've told me they're I have to stick to. They'll get mad if I don't stick to the age requirement, let's say I want to meet somebody 28 to 38, they're not going to go out with a 44-year-old. They're just, it's very hard to get them to expand because they're saying, look, I'm paying thousands of dollars to you. So I want what I want. I could go meet, you know, a, a woman that's not fitting my parameters at Starbucks or whatever for free. Why would I pay you for that? So I want what I want. So that's the 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 uh, challenge I have there. So I have to deliver that. So it could be, you know, I I only want blondes. I've got guys who only want busty. So I'm looking for big breasted women or, or, you know, or only five, four to five, eight or somewhat brown eyes. I mean, I try not to let him get away with that one, the eye color, but sometimes they just like it, you know, or I love Latinas. They're so sexy and I love the look or whatever it is. So I try to go with that and then look at the lifestyle and personality as well. And you spend time with your clients to get to know them. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah, we're like a little family. Like the guys, like we don't have that many clients. So I'm really, they can reach me seven days a week on a Sunday or after, you know, I'm I'm watching one night, I'm uh, it's 10 o'clock, I'm watching Seinfeld in bed and one of my clients got back from a date and he texted me. He, I said, give me a call and I wanted to hear the feedback. And he says, you know, Marla, this is so great. I was with another service and no way would they take my call at 10 o'clock at night, you know, and he says, I really appreciate it. So it's kind of like having your sister or your best friend as well as a matchmaker to go over things, to talk things out. I have a guy who just got divorced. He's like, I don't know what to do. Give me some tips. How look at my how should I get my hair cut? You know, he really needed that reassurance. So I, you know, I really love that aspect that we're real close that way. You also really value having a spiritual practice. Yeah, I do. I do. Speak to that with you. Yeah, I've become a Reiki master, crystal healer. I do have a lot of different healing modalities that I do. Um, I love delving into the spiritual side of life, which I even wrote a memoir about it. The Buddha made me do it where, you know, I might be using a pendulum one day. I might be using my angel board. I've opened up because of the Reiki and energetic attunements that I've gotten and the meditation. I've now found out that I can channel angels. <laughs> and you get, saw my angel last time. Yes. You uh, told me I have an angel named Betty. Betty. And I picture her like Betty White and yeah. floating around my head with cheesecake and Golden Girls little oh, kitchen. Oh, Betty, Betty. <laughs> um, yeah, I give angel readings so you can go on my website too and go under work with me and I give angel readings very reasonable. $20 I'll channel your angel and send you a message and people love that. So It's a fun experience. It's fun mm-hmm. and um, with my clients, some of them will come in and I'll, I'll give them uh, a Reiki treatment or some energetic healing or, uh, you know, I, so it's important to combine body, mind, and spirit and everything into your life. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's holistic. You're, Holi- you're, I'm you're very meeting holistic. a whole person. Yes. And coming into it as a whole person. So those things are really, really important. So before we get to your top tip, the one thing everyone needs to do to meet their soulmate, I'd like to talk a little bit about some of your other wonderful offerings because you're really generous. You offer some some free things. Tell us about your private Facebook group that you started. Oh, yeah. I started a Facebook group called Love Yourself, Love Your Life with Marla Martinson, and I go on there every day and give positive you know, affirmations and tips, and I might talk about crystals one day or tell you how to make a new green juice or just to support people, and we're having a lot of fun on there uh, having conversations. You can follow me there. My website, marlamartinson.com, M-A-R-L-A-M-A-R-T-E-N-S-O-N. You can put in your email and get a free guided self-love meditation and an ebook with affirmations. Um, I have under work with me, there's a free training with my friend and coach, Susan Allen, that's called How to Marry a Billionaire. And that's a wonderful free training. Then you get a free session with Susan. I also do coaching. Um, You know, I've got the angel readings, the um, yeah, I've got just so much, you know, and you, you, so anyway, come over there and check things out because there's a lot of fun things. And your book that on. is sitting here in front of you that I really enjoyed so much, The Buddha Made Me Do It. Would you just give us the nutshell of what that's about? Oh, yeah, that is my uh, two-year journey um, into a deep dive into my spiritual practice with my sidekick, Julie, who's my friend. Uh, we started taking every class that we could find in Los Angeles at different spiritual centers and um, on anything from crystals to pendulums to channelers to psychics to candle magic to, you know, everything. And uh, we had so much fun doing it. And it, the story is uh, in the book how I got rid of a little Buddha knickknack. And uh, my husband was upset. He thought I got rid of it. I wouldn't admit I got rid of it. So I went on a madcap chase around the city to try to replace it and in the meantime found a place to take all these wonderful classes where I got interested in crystal healing and energy work and now my because of giving away that little knickknack uh, my whole life changed <laughs> <laughs> I'm a healer now and all of that so it is such a fun book because it's insightful and it also gives people kind of a glimpse into a lot of different spiritual practices that I think a lot of people are curious about mm-hmm. And we feel like we're going through it with you. Right. And you have some really funny experiences, Funny. Too. It's kind of like a Bridget Jones's diary and a, combined with an eat, pray, love almost. Totally. You know? yeah. Totally. With Buddha thrown in Yes. It. I love it. And love I started it. a new podcast, The Mystical Matchmaker. You can, um, It's on iTunes and Stitcher and all that. You can subscribe. That would be great. And that's a lot of fun. And then I have a YouTube channel. Uh, you can look for me under Marla Martinson, and it's called Cosmic Conversations. I interview a lot of interesting people. If you're into psychics or channelers or spiritual stuff. Um, I do a lot of that on on that uh, show. Can't wait and to there's uh, some uh, interviews with August on the, sh- on the yeah, show, too. Yeah, and we're going to be chatting funny. again, which will be really fun. Yeah. I'm very excited to check out your, your new podcast. So let's talk about this most important thing. The most important thing is you have to love yourself. And it might sound cliche if you say, if you don't love yourself, who else could love you? But really, if you think about your list and what you're looking for, um, you're looking for someone pretty spectacular. So what are you bringing to the table? Are, are you happy with your life? Are you happy in your body? Are you happy? Do you think you're a great catch? Do you like your own company? Or are you seeking someone else to make you happy or to fix things? So you really have to take a look at your financial predicament, your uh, health, your happiness, your vitality, um, your spirituality, and take a look and think, wow, I'm a really great person. I love myself and do things that you love every day. So if you're going out there to try to meet someone, don't have that in your mind. Have 
have the idea in your mind that you're going out to have a great experience and to have fun and do things every day that you love and your vibration's going to raise and people when you go out people are going to be looking wow who is she who is he wow they they're just so happy they sparkle they've got this magnetic uh frequency to them and you're not only lovers uh partners will come to you jobs opportunities maybe you'll win the lotto who knows if they do i think that they should make a nice donation to your wonderful work because (laughs) you just put them on that path that's beautiful what is something you do every day to nurture that oh my gosh i you know what i really do things i'm very blessed to have a job that i can work from home uh in my sweatpants and yoga pants if i want but i go i do belong to a kind of a fancy yoga place that i just love to pamper myself my dog is right next to me when i'm working we play we go out we snuggle i make my green juice i watch uh fun shows with my husband on sunday nights i read the most amazing books i watch fun things on youtube i connect with amazing people so in just um, Bashar, the, my favorite uh, entity who's channeled through Dara Anka, it's called Bashar. He says, follow, just follow your highest excitement. Every day, just everything you do, say, is this the thing that I prefer to do right now? What Out of everything you can do, let's say there's five things, which one is going to be more, the most exciting, the more, most pleasurable to me to do? Mm. And do that. And just keep doing that and doing that. Yeah, there's things you do. You might not like taking out the garbage or you know scrubbing the kitchen floor, but even when you're doing that, you can make it a meditative experience or say, you know, I'm glad that I have a garbage can. I'm glad that I have water to wash my dishes. Spin it. You know, sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, the, I have to clean the house. Hey, there's, you know, a bunch of homeless tents right down the street. People live in, in, you know, in the street. I'm so lucky to have this house that I can clean, you know, and then listen to a great podcast like August's podcast while you're cleaning. <laughs> so count your blessings, count your blessings, gratitude and try yeah. to find it's kind of like with exercise. I know a lot of people say you have to exercise in order to be healthy. And to me, it's so important that you in the context of that conversation say find enjoyable activities. Yeah. Because if you don't enjoy it, it's gonna be torture every day. You do day. need to move your body, but you know, there's so many ways to do it. Dance yeah. or yeah. go to a trampoline place or yeah. walk or whatever. You know. Read your favorite book while you're on the bike or yeah. yeah, definitely. I think pleasure and excitement are really important and gratitude. And uh, and as we were talking about over lunch earlier, when you do have the negative emotions, it's okay to feel those. Oh, yeah. You know, let yourself feel those. I love what you said about meditation and uh, really connecting with your body. I feel like in our culture, it's very easy to disconnect from our bodies because we're so we're like walking around to do lists or something. And if you actually take time to connect with your body in some way, whether it's putting lotion on your body or or doing yoga stretches or or doing something sexy. Like there's so many different ways to really nurture yourself. And I think self-love can seem like this foreign concept, but what changes that is action. And I love all the things you mentioned are proactive. Yeah, and take care of yourself. This is your body that has to get through you through this whole life, you know, eat the organic foods or or drink the fresh water. A lot of people take better care of their car. Uh, than themselves or or their you know pet. Well, of course I'd, I'd, I sure don't. I'd, 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 <laughs> My car wishes you know, I took better A lot care of people of it they'll put me. the best oil, the best gas, they'll wash it, all yeah, that. But then yeah. themselves they're eating junk or yeah. whatever. So you are valuable. So yeah. treat yourself like a gem. You really are. Or giving. <laughs> I'm guilty of this. Uh, spending more 
money on your dog food than yourself sometimes. Right, right. Or, well, I would sacrifice everything for my dog, but, you know. But that yeah. feels like self-love, too, because yes, we care it is. about them it so is. much. We both have dogs that we adore. And here in Los Angeles, we can go for $20 for a whole hour mas- Chinese massage. They're like on every corner, you know, so for $20? $20? Yeah, 20 bucks. you go get a foot massage, go get a massage. Uh, they're all over the place, and I'm sure, just check around those Chinese massage. You know what I'm talking about, I people. Do. So uh, yeah. do that once a month or whatever, you know, just... Take care, Take care yeah, of yourself. Take care of yourself. Yeah, yeah. It can be and get my oh, and get yeah. you know when you go to my website marlamartinson.com, you'll get a free self love guided meditation. I went into the oh. studio and did that. My husband's a professional musician. We've got a whole studio. I did a really beautiful ten minute. You just listen to it and it puts these um, affirmations into your subconscious because you want to hear those things. Beautiful. I love that you did that. Yeah. Yeah, and your husband's so talented. <laughs> he is. Is he your soulmate? Um, he's one of them. <laughs> yeah, one of the soulmate yeah. pets. I mean, he's my best friend. We've been together 16 years, and, you know, we have our ups and downs. We're like Ricky and Lucy. It hasn't been a smooth, uh, perfect, smooth line. But uh, in you the end— You contrast each other so beautifully. We, yeah, but in the end, you know what? We're, we're, we do a lot of things together. We travel together. We have a lot of fun together, and uh, we're, he's, he's somebody that—he's he's a guy that I know if I get wrinkles, if I lost an arm or a leg, if something happened to me, he would be there. So he's— he has got my back and I've got his and that's important. It's more, you know, you develop uh, other deeper things than just that initial, you know, oh, yeah, this person's so hot, which we, yeah. when we're dating, that's what we're focusing on, that chemistry. And, uh, you know, we have that, but then you go a lot deeper. So It's so true. Yeah. And research even shows that when you're with someone over time, you build up physical chemistry as well that isn't visible necessarily from the outside. We actually do see our partners typically as more attractive than they are, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah. But then we also have physical chemistry reactions to them, like their tastes and their smells and these things that, you know, have nothing to do with a particular aesthetic. You know, I think I think that's really inspiring. And I love the love that you have cultivated. And you both are, it's also great fodder for your books because great some of your fodder. experiences are hysterical, Very I have funny. to say. And so. it's nice to have somebody where I can wake up, you know, looking my absolute worst and, and I'd never want anybody to see me. And he's like, oh, you're so beautiful. You know, it's just yeah, he's because so affectionate. He, he loves me, you know, so it's like I, I can just be, I can totally be me. Mm. With, so that's nice. That's what we all want. Yeah. Y'all, when you're looking for your soulmate, put that on the list. <laughs> Someone that you can accept for who they are, who accepts you for who you are. Yes. I think that's really magical when you can do that. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for Thanks. being here, Marla. Thanks, everybody. If you're enjoying Girl Boner Radio, I hope you will subscribe on iTunes if you haven't and leave us a simple review while you're there. iTunes doesn't make it easy, but it's not so hard once you find the right button. I'd really appreciate it. You can also follow us on Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher Radio. Thank you so much for listening and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week.